getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. This is Nick and Carl on the Huddle Up podcast. Today we'll be continuing our breakdown of the Denver Broncos positional groups and rosters with the wide receivers and we'll touch on some of the top potential targets in the upcoming draft as well. You are listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me as always, we have Nick Kendall. This show's focus is all things to pertain to your Denver Broncos, with an extra focus on the NFL draft. Nick and I will continue to talk general Broncos news, but always have a focus towards team building. We still stand by our statement, though, that building teams in the offseason and playing armchair GM is just as fun as the actual games on Sunday. Follow myself on Twitter, at Carl Dumbler MHH, as well as follow Nick, at Nick Kendall MHH, and of course, tweet us as much as you like, and follow the podcast account, at HuddleUpPod. You can also find ours and our co-writers' content at MileHighHuddle.com, and an affiliate of Scout Media and the CBS Sports Digital Network. We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as iHeart, Stitcher, SoundCloud, CastBox, and Spreaker. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now, before we get to the wide receiver position, I wanted us to take a little time here and touch on a question asked by one of our listeners on Twitter. And this this goes a little bit, like I said, off the off the topic of what we're talking about here with wide receivers, but it's it's something that we talked a lot about here on this this podcast. And Malik G on Twitter, really appreciate your question. As uh, most of our listeners know, Nick and I especially spent a great deal of the offseason focusing on the NFL draft with this podcast. And we broke down the Broncos draft especially and both agreed that we were not exactly impressed with the DeMarcus Walker pick. And Malik G asked this question, if DeMarcus is also able to contribute contribute at outside linebacker, does that retro change our opinion of him as a draftee? And, you know, if you remember, like I said, we, we didn't exactly give him great reviews back then and we're not exactly excited about the pick not that we think that he's completely terrible player or anything like that just wondering kind of the fit and we heard this week that the broncos were trying him out at outside linebacker with the injuries to shane ray and of course shaq barrett so nick let's start with you what what do you think about this does this change your view of him at all well, if he is able to line up as a stand-up edge rusher in the 3-4 defense, I will be – it definitely will change my opinion, and I'll be very impressed because he did not really show that on tape in college. Instead of being a speed rusher with bend and uh, knee flexibility, ankle flexibility, you know, then the ability to cut the corner and get a good angle to the quarterback, 
he showed more as a, a power rusher with a strong rip and swim move. So watching him, I thought that his best fit would be three technique. You know, if you've been listening, that's what I've been pounding the table saying that uh, three technique playing one-on-one versus a guard would be his best fit. I didn't think he had the power right away to be a five technique nor the length. I didn't think he had the speed really to be an edge rusher in a three, four and a four, three. I thought he had some potential there, but in a three, four where it's definitely more about the, uh, the speed rusher because you know, you have those guys kick in somewhat farther down the line in sub packages, but just, he doesn't come off. He's not like a Von Miller type, a DeMarcus Ware type, a Shane Ray type, you know, the, the typical three, four speed rusher. Now that said, I think I did not, take into account enough the Von Miller and Bill Kohler effect because apparently Von Miller is all over this kid, you know, getting him on the sideline in between reps and working with him, you know, talking him up because Walker has been apparently having some issues with the altitude in practice, but he's been doing well in camp and creating pressure. And I'm hoping that I am very wrong with the, uh, the value of the selection. It would probably was my least favorite pick because I really did want Chris Wormley, who apparently is having a pretty solid camp with the Ravens as well. So, you know, that he was pretty obvious on tape, a good five technique fit. But Walker, if he can rush the passer as a situational guy and provide depth in the interior defensive line and as an edge rusher, I mean, that's that's a home run pick with a second round selection. It just, I was thinking about this as you were talking about it with some of the conditioning stuff. I was listening earlier to somebody and they were talking about how he lined up across from Minelik Watson and kind of had that look in his face like he was just getting ready to, to take him on big time and, and try to push him right back into the quarterback. And, and next thing you know, he just throws up all over the field. And he, he really has. He's had a lot of trouble adjusting from Florida to, to Colorado. You know, this is something the Broncos have always kind of looked at a little bit is guys that play at altitude because it's, it's a whole new ball game when you get to that kind of level. And, but most likely this year he's going to be asked to be more of that part-time player anyway you know, whether he plays outside linebacker, defensive end. And, and like you said, it's, it's all about the production. You know, they can move him to outside linebacker, try him out there and try to get a little bit better depth and be able to have him, you know, versatility is great in the NFL. You know, when you only have truly, honestly, you only have 46 positions available, you know, because you got all those guys who are non-active on, on actual game day. Um, so, yeah, the more you can actually have – that versatility with a guy that's great. And I hope he works out that way. But like you said, until we actually see it on the field in a game, it's hard for me to get too excited yet. Yeah. He has had some pretty good practices. I've actually heard his name pop up quite a bit and that's, that's great to hear. I, I hope he proves us wrong. We both hope that that that's, that, that's the thing is even, you know, we, we give our draft grades and our draft thoughts and all that, but Every time with every Bronco pick, we're hoping that they work out. With every Raider pick, even if we like them, we hope they they fail miserably. You know that that's kind of how it goes. As you, you got the the draft analyst in us, and you got the Bronco fan in us, and so of course I'm hoping this guy works out, and I I hope he can be very productive at that spot. So if he shows production, then yeah, retro change that that's that's huge for for how he is as a draft pick. Yes, so it's going to need to be shown on tape first for me. And I'm expecting, you know, with Shane Ray and Barrett injured, that Walker is going to be given a lot of opportunity to shine. And is Edge really his best position in a 3-4? Probably not. I mean, I guess I could see him on Edge in the uh, nickel and dime defense. That makes more sense than the base 3-4 defense, just because he's going to be playing a little closer to the uh, where the ball snapped, where he shined the best on tape. But... 
I don't know. I just, he doesn't come across as my prototypical edge rusher that I like. I like speed guys with bend and burst that can, you know, get around the edge and almost look like they're untouched. You know, Von Miller has spoiled me. That's the type I want. You know, not every single edge rusher has to be a Von Miller. You know, Mac is different. Watt, when he played, he played five tech and edge. He was kind of a little versatile in that regard. He's a freak. But Von Miller is my prototype edge rusher that I want, which is one reason I'm a big fan of Key and Landry compared to a guy like Bradley Chubb coming up this next year because I like speed rushers that are going to bend that edge and create pressure on the quarterback consistently. This is where uh, I'm torn a little bit on some things in the fact of, you know, I've been trying to figure out the the 53-man roster, you know, after five days of training camp and no games. You know, there's still a long ways to go before we figure out the true 53. But with those injuries to to Shane Ray and, and Shaq Barrett, having a guy like him that can play inside outside and and can and save one of those roster spots that that would be huge. Broncos need that because otherwise they're going to have to really start looking hard at cutting at some other positions that they would rather keep somebody. That's that's to me why I'm excited about this idea that he's been playing pretty well at the outside linebacker spot so far. And and like I said, we got to see it in the games. We got to see how he does at that point, but yeah, if he can help save that extra roster spot till one of those two guys can come back Oh my goodness, that would that would help this team a lot. Yes, it would. Yes, it would. All right. Well, before we move on here, today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash huddle up. Over a hundred and eighty thousand titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that is www.audibletrial.com slash huddle up. Get your free book, No Commitment Beyond, that 30-day free trial. So see what you think, and like I probably said, make it through an extra 12 books a year that otherwise would not be able to get through without Audible. I'm a voracious podcast listener, and I feel like you know I'm trying to round myself better as a, a person. So as much as I like consuming the news and all things Broncos, you know it's good to hear a good story every once in a while. So being able to do that with Audible.com and a 30-day free trial can really get you in that direction. Also, it's really a big help for us on the podcast. You know, every time that you go in there and you put in that backslash huddle up for that free trial, it helps us. It shows that our listeners are answering the call. So please head over to www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up and cash in on your 30-day free trial. All right, Carl. Well, obviously, I'm going to move on here to one of the more frustrating players on the roster, in my opinion, but both from a player standpoint and from a fan standpoint i'm sorry i get so irritated by the whole hashtag trade dt mantra that it's 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 honestly one of the worst things in all of bronco country it's it's up there with like the tebow mania (laughs) oh yeah i i agree i you know it's one of those things sometimes we expect such perfection you know you you get almost spoiled to a point that when a player isn't exactly completely perfect on every single play you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I get there too because this guy, Demarius Thomas, one of the best wide receivers in the game, he's not the top guy. And and I know that sometimes people are going, oh, man, why can't he be that guy? Why can't he, uh, you know, catch every single pass that's thrown his direction? He should be able to do that. And, oh, my goodness, yeah, it, it's just – it's tough. There's, there's a defense out there that's trying to stop you. And Bronco fans – please don't take this guy for granted. He's getting ready to hear this year, most likely uh, move into number two in, in Bronco history for receiving yards. 
Think about that. This this guy, by the end of his career, most likely with the Broncos, stays. he has to stay healthy. Most likely would be the, the best wide receiver that's ever played for the Broncos. And I know there's a lot of Rod Smith fans out there, and I love Rod Smith, but I don't think he's quite Demarius Thomas. I don't not think. as an athlete. Yeah, not as an athlete. I mean, he worked hard. I mean, that, that guy worked his tail off. I mean, there, there's nobody that worked harder than him. But Thomas, yeah, as an athlete, oh, my goodness, this guy, he is a freak. I mean, that's, that's the best word to describe him, that strong, fast, big, everything you'd want in a wide receiver. I mean, he's, he's got it. If you built a wide receiver in the factory, I think you'd build Demarius Thomas. Maybe, maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit stronger. I don't know, but Calvin Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. That's that's one grade above, I guess, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, a guy coming from Georgia. It's crazy that two of the best wide receivers in the NFL over the last like 15 years come from Georgia Tech. You know, they they play that weird. I don't know what you would call it. Triple we, option. Yeah, triple, triple option offense. Yeah, it's it's weird, <laughs> and and they produce these great wide receivers. But yeah. We are very, very fortunate for him to be here with us. And I, 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 I can't wait to see him again with McCoy. You know, he had some great years there. Great year with McCoy. Produced one of the best plays in Bronco history. You know, that, that's something that we under, underestimate is, yeah, he produced still my favorite play, honestly, in Bronco history. The Tebow playoff slam? Yes, yes. Oh, man. <sighs> Part of it for me is I, I texted a friend, friend right before that, like right before the coin toss. I said, Broncos are going to win. They're going to get the ball. First play, play action, slant pattern to, to Demarius Thomas, 80-yard touchdown. And my friend texts back. He's like, oh, man, that would be great. And then they do it. And he's like, what the heck happened? How how'd you – you know, and I'm going, oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's like the luckiest text I've ever sent in my life, you know. That was – so it's kind of special for me. I, I love it. So I, I love this guy. I love what he brings to this team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I honestly, that'd be a good idea for a podcast. Top Bronco moments. Although I might show my age in that regard. I can't really. My very first football game that I remember is the 1998 Super Bowl and the helicopter game. So I remember watching the uh, VHSs. I had the VHSs that I'd watch them like you know once every week of the Super Bowl seasons because I'm a crazy diehard even back then. So I kind of knew the games in like hindsight with a famous NFL music playing in the background. But the first game I really remember watching is that Super Bowl in 1998 in the helicopter. So that's probably my favorite play. Other than that, the Von Miller strip sack and maybe that Champ Bailey interception in the playoffs against the Patriots. That one was. Yeah. To end that streak of how was it like 10 straight wins for the Patriots in the playoffs. And yeah, for the Broncos to be the ones to end it and Champ Bailey, Bailey, especially to be a big part of that. I was just talking with somebody earlier today about Champ Bailey and one of the most underrated players, I think, in NFL history, just never really had the team around him and yeah. to really show off how great he was. And so, yeah, that uh, to have that kind of play in his, you know, highlight reel is great to have. But yeah, Demarius Thomas, one of my favorite plays, one of great memory for me. My wife and I had just gotten married that season. Mm. And so she was with me watching the game and we were at a bowling alley and uh, she was doing homework during the game. And I was so mad and I just started screaming and everybody in the bowling alley started freaking out like, is this kid hurt or something's going on? <laughs> and I'm like, nope, just uh, just pure joy going on over here. That's what that was. 
So, yeah, I love Demarius Thomas. appreciate that he's produced so many great memories for us as Bronco fans. And, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. He's lost, what was it, 12 pounds? Yes, 12 pounds. 12 pounds to, to get into shape, to, to be ready for a McCoy hurry-up offense, you know, to get used to a bigger workload than he's had in, in the years past. And, and I think also to help take some of that pressure off that hip that had the torn labrum. That's something that's underrated. You know, that toughness, you know, people keep getting after him for not always putting full effort. I don't think people realized how much he was hurt last year. You know, that, that hip, I, I can't imagine trying to cut on that. It just limited him last year. And he suffered that, I think, week one, if I remember Yeah, right. I believe yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's something that's underrated for last year. And yet he still went out there, put up 90 receptions, 1,083 yards and five touchdowns. And so I hope this year, finally healthy with the offense that he loves and just let him go out there and make plays. Yeah, absolutely. He is a big, strong, fast, physical freak who has the size and the ability to go up and get it. He can take a five-yard pass and take it to the house, and he can also make plays down the field. So I wouldn't call him probably a top five wide receiver, but he definitely is in that six to ten range. And if he steps up this year, you know, with the the quarterback play obviously goes hand in hand with the production. But if he steps it up this year, he's right back in the conversation of a top five wide receiver. He's been that good. There aren't many things that I thank Josh McDaniels for during his uh, first tenure in Denver. But drafting Demarius Thomas was the right call. And I think taking him instead of Des Bryant also the right call. Des is a good player, but he doesn't come across as a team first, hard worker, you know, first guy in type that Demarius Thomas comes across as. So very unfortunate to have him and he's definitely one of the few true wide receiver ones in the league and he got paid like it too this uh past year was it two years ago now yeah two seasons now two two seasons ago man time flies (laughs) he signed a uh, five-year 70 million dollar contract man send some of that this way dt (laughs) including 11 million signing bonus 43 and a half guaranteed 43 million and a half guaranteed and this season he's going to make a base salary of eight and a half million with a bonus of four million and a cap hit of just over $12 million. So his cap hit is actually going down from last year. Last year it was 15 This year it's down to just over 12 So that's good. It's a contract that, again, Broncos front office guys, tip of the hat to you because you guys are awesome in terms of rearranging these contracts and loading them in ways that, you know, we're not going to be super backloaded and in trouble in a few years. And he's one of the better Broncos. I mean, some will argue that Emmanuel Sanders is better. I think we have a 1A and a 1B, and – if we can get the running game going and the quarterback just more consistent and able to utilize the center of the field better, you know, so that way they're not constantly bracketed outside the hash marks. These, both these guys could finish both Sanders and DT could finish with over a thousand yards again this season. Last episode, I talked about needing that, that third wide receiver to kind of step up and and we'll get into that here in a little bit. You know, last week we talked about with the tight ends and, and this week now with the wide receivers of who can maybe step into that role, but like I said last week, you know, go back and watch the tape. You can easily see, I mean, teams had it so easy when game planning for the Broncos because they could just send their safety straight to the sidelines, knowing, you know, DT and, and Sanders just double cover them and quarterbacks couldn't do anything. You know, they just had nobody else to throw to. Nobody else could get open. And when I think it was, was it Jordan Norwood had the most snaps last year for the third wide receiver position? I, I believe so, yes. yeah. I think that's yeah. right. And when he's having to be your third wide receiver, that's just not a good look. It's not a position that they'd 
that they'd put enough into at that point. You know, I think they were hoping that Latimer would become that guy. You know, every year he's kind of been that, oh, goodness, watch him in camp. This guy is destroying camp, and I'm hearing it again this year that he's having a really good camp. And I hate hearing that because then I get my hopes up because I love the Latimer pick. I, I'll admit it. That was one thing I got wrong. I, I thought Cody Latimer would come in here and be a freak for us. I thought he would be a, a red zone threat like like we had not seen at the wide receiver position for a while. And he just he's never been able to put it on the field. And, you know, I – I don't know. We'll, we'll get into him more as we go throughout this, but yeah, they, they need somebody else to be able to step up just to help these guys get a little pressure off them, you know, to allow DT to be able to take that screen where he doesn't have guys already zooming in on him as soon as he takes a step. And cause yeah, once he gets the ball in his hand, he can go and do some great things with it. And yeah, I, I just, like I said, I love this guy. I love what he's brought to this team. Like I said, don't, don't forget what this guy has done for us. He is one of only, three, uh, I think, two other players, Torrey Holt and Marvin Harrison, to have five consecutive seasons of 90 catches and 1,000 receiving yards. You know, those, those are Hall of Fame caliber players right there. And, and Thomas is, is doing things like that. Um, Thomas and Sanders are tied for second right now for uh, consecutive seasons with duos totaling 1,000 yards. Today, this year, they have a chance to tie the record. You know, again, just to have that kind of skills on the outside like we have is great. And we need something else to help us to take advantage of that. And so I, I love it. Do you do you see any kind of change for him this year now that McCoy's back? I see him hopefully being utilized more in the screen game and potentially moving him around. But honestly, the biggest thing won't be McCoy. It'll be him being healthy and hopefully better quarterback play. If you get those things he should take off and be again, one of the top 10 top five wide receivers in the league. So, and obviously having the familiarity with McCoy's system, he's not going to have to, you know, learn new route concepts and everything. So that's a big deal in my opinion. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And, and I'm hoping this year a little bit more, they can try to work to get him involved early in the game. Last year, I can't remember what it was. They, I think it always every game they started out passing, but it never seemed to really go DT's way early in the game. And, you know, just to get him a couple catches in that first quarter, I think can make a really big difference, keep him engaged and keep him going. And and Vance Joseph kind of talked about that. And I, I love this. This was that moment that I thought Vance Joseph arrived as a coach when he called out Demarius Thomas. And, and this is the quote. I want to I read it here. It says, I want 88. That's what I call him. I want him to be a dominant player all the time. I don't want to see him ease into games. I don't want to be a guy. I don't want him to be just a guy. I want him to step out and be the guy. It's time. And I had some Bronco fans ripping on Vance Joseph for calling out a superstar. Like, how could you do that? Why would you do that? And he did that in, in Miami, too. He called out uh, Sue. He called out Mario Williams. He even benched Mario Williams. And their defense got better once Mario Williams was benched. Crazy. <laughs> you know, this guy is not afraid to stand up to superstars. And I think it was great for, for Demarius Thomas. I think it really did help motivate him to really get up there and, and, and become that guy that they need him to be. To be that dominant force that teams have to just sit there and say, we got to stick two guys on this guy the entire game. I love Vance Joseph calling him out as well. I mean, it's this guy's team and he's DT has always, you know, been more of a, a wallflower type, at least he comes off that way. 
he leads by, you know, just going in and doing his work, but he hasn't really ever taken a vocal leadership role. And with the just the vacuum of leadership on the Broncos offense this last season since Peyton Manning retired, DT needs to step up and be a leader. And that starts with Vance Joseph calling him out, I think. So hopefully this year, DT and Sanders, you'll take more of a leadership role on the offense in general because we got a lot of big mouths on the defense, but we need a couple on the offense as well. And those guys got to step up and fight for their guys. So I think DT can do that. You know, he's more of a speaks through his actions guys, but still, you know, he can he can still take more of a leadership role, and I think he will do that. Well, maybe the the loudest mouth on the offense is that of Emmanuel Sanders, and that's who we're going to talk about here. And he he's he's not afraid to to say what's on his mind. I, I loved he had a quote earlier this week or earlier this year, and I, I'm not this isn't word for word, but he talked about how he wanted to get back to the playoffs, wanted to to win a Super Bowl, and he said, "And I want to get you know 90 catches and you know 1,200 yards in a Pro Bowl season." And he, he, he's flat out admitted that he's a diva wide receiver and you know, he, he wants his, his yards. And I, I love that about him too. He wants to, to be a playmaker. He wants the ball in his hands and he's, he's done a lot to, to grow as a player to, to make sure that he is great. I was reading earlier, they said back in April, he talked about how when he got to the Broncos, he added a jugs machine at his house to help him to, to improve his drops. And this year he added a, a weight room to his house so that he could work out at any time. He said, I really want to be able to work out at 11 PM. And he also ended up giving up, I guess, uh, fast food, going and getting chicken nuggets from McDonald's or something like that to get into better shape for this upcoming season. And like I said, I, I just, I love the way that he approaches his craft. I hear all the time about how he's at practice and he, when he's on the sideline, if he's not on the field, he's over there catching passes to work on his hands. And and this was one of those very, very big-time underrated signings by Elway that really helped take our team over the top and, and give us that big-time weapon across from DT that teams had to focus on. I remember there were people who were kind of upset that uh, Eric Decker got let, let loose, you know, or not cut, but, I mean, he just was let go with, in free agency. And, you know, how are you going to fill in for that thousand yard receiver? And then Emmanuel Sanders comes in and plays even better than him. And that's just, you know, that's kind of how Elway works a lot of times. He, he can go out there and find this underrated player and, and make them into a superstar. And that's what Emmanuel Sanders has come, come to be for us. But I guess, Nick, what, what are your thoughts here on Emmanuel Sanders in this upcoming season? Well, I am happy that he is paid, and I'm hoping that he will have a better year this year. I got a little bit tired of seeing him break open last year in the quarterback, whether it be Simeon or Lynch, focusing on their primary target too long. And you see Sanders you know, put his arm up because he beat the safety of the cornerback deep, and the quarterback notices him too, too late, and you see Sanders jump up and down and kind of yell in frustration. Tired of that, you know, you got to hit that guy deep, especially because you only get when he plays a game where they can break it open. Uh, and you saw that in the Cincinnati game, I believe Sanders had a couple big, big touchdowns. And I think that he can have a big season with better quarterback play. You know, that's the obvious. It seems like a simple answer, but that's what it comes down to me. I'm not worried about Sanders or DT. I'm more worried about just the consistency from the quarterback. But in terms of Sanders, I was unfortunately at that game a couple years ago where he got destroyed in the uh, they're playing the rams i don't know if you know remember that game where he got i think he was concussed just got absolutely killed how we lost to the rams 
still makes me sad. I've never seen Denver win a game live. So everyone, <laughs> GoFundMe page. Oh, Den- Nick doesn't go see a game. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I, I've been. I've never seen them lose. Oh, I'm kind of well, So I'm going to the Broncos Patriots game this year. So everybody should be very excited about that. I would say I'll be with you there in spirit, but then we'd lose. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Sanders is great. You know, we signed him for a three-year, thirty-three million dollar contract. So not top wide receiver money, but definitely fair for what he brings to the table. Uh, Two hundred or twenty-six million, twenty-seven million guaranteed, and an annual average salary of eleven million. So. Pretty good contract for him, and he's, I believe he's the, I think you said the fifth highest player on the roster, just from a yeah. AAV standpoint. So, I mean, we do have a young roster overall with a lot of good young pieces, so that makes sense. But he's he's great. I'm not sure if he'd ever really be a, a great number one wide receiver on a team. You know, he does have those big plays, but I don't see him being a huge volume guy. You know, he's just not big enough to play both possession and as a burner. Granted, you know, you see that with OBJ. But OBJ is a different level athlete than anybody else in the league right now in terms of that size and uh, quickness from the wide receiver position. But a great, great wide receiver. I think he's probably top 15. You can argue top 10, but definitely top 15. And just been consistent since he's come over here. He offers more of a downfield threat than Eric Decker ever did. One thing that he doesn't do as well as Decker did, which being a smash mouth football fan myself, he's not the same level blocker. Eric Decker really was a good job of getting his his nose in there and blocking guys out, especially on the screenplay. You know, if you ever saw a DT take a 70, 80 yard screen pass to the house, odds are Eric Decker had a key block in that. And, you know, once Sanders came over, you saw a little bit of a, a dip in that, that had partially to do with McCoy, but I think it had partially to do with losing Decker and substituting that blocking with Sanders. So that's one area I'd love to see him improve on. But granted, given his size, there's only so much you can do in that regard, but he's been killing it so far in camp. Everybody says he's probably one of the, more unblockable guys, you know, before camp started, a lot of talk was DT, but recently I feel like it's been Sanders. So I'm, I'm happy with either of them showing out this year. We need both of them to help the young quarterbacks progress along with a lot of other things. But if these two guys stay healthy, then the quarterback, whoever it is, is going to have a chance to shine and develop and get better. And we're going to win games. Yeah, that's Vance Joseph. I think he said it best when he was so mad at his quarterbacks a couple days ago when they had such a terrible day. He's pretty much saying, you know, we got DT and we got Sanders on this team. Just throw it up to him. Let him go make a play. You know, stop with this throwing it away or trying to fit it into a tight window. Just throw it up and let him make a play. And and it's true. I mean, Sanders and, and DT both have great catch radiuses. Both of them have great concentration to go make the tough catch. And they just – they're playmakers. Let your playmakers go make plays. I mean, that's that's pretty simple. Football can be pretty simple at times. And sometimes people make it way too complicated. And so, yeah, I'm hoping the quarterbacks give these guys a chance just to go make some plays and, and tie that record for duos for, consist, for consecutive years of 1,000 yards. That would be, be great to see again this year. But I guess with this new system, do you, see, do you see anything changing for Sanders? Not really. Maybe potentially getting some more looks in slot. But – that has more to do with just getting the best guys on the field. And I think that Sanders, due to his his best skill set, honestly, is the deep ball, you know, double moves. He's very tough over the middle, and he can create separation in short routes. But in terms of where he wins the most, it's vertically down the field in double moves, making those contested catches. And I think they shouldn't mess with that too much. Now, that being said, if, let's say, 
Sunshine Taylor ends up being the third best wide receiver on the team. And I don't see DT or Sunshine being guys who can handle the slot duty very well. Then I think Sanders on the field in the three wide receiver sets, maybe some more trips formations. I could see him in the slot role. The only thing I could see changing a little bit. Let's let's get into that because this is this is one of the questions that we kind of ran into on Twitter. You know, you had tweeted out, you know, do you guys have any questions of, you know, for this upcoming podcast? And it's Broncos SZN had tweeted out, who do you think will be the number three receiver? And and so we're going to get into a long list here. And at the end of it, I kind of want you to give me who do you think maybe is the week one guy? And then who is, you know, halfway through the season? Is it still that same guy? Because it could change. You know, that, that's kind of a thing I've been thinking about of, of with our young guys. You know, we got quite a few young guys. Could they really step up as the season goes? But the first guy that's on the list, because he's been the guy I talked about as that number three wide receiver, Emmanuel Sanders said it's Benny Fowler's job to lose right now. DT, when he's talking about Benny Fowler, said he's a totally different player than last year. And and this is, I think this is going to be his fourth year in the league from Michigan State, a six foot one, 212-pound wide receiver, and a guy that has played the slot for us. That's where he's kind of done his work, and he's made some, some big plays. Um, I, I was trying to... I watched some of these today and I kind of forgot about him. You know, you kind of forget some of the things of where he steps up and makes a, a big play, but he is, he is famous now for being the guy that caught Peyton Manning's last pass, a successful two point conversion in the Super Bowl. You know, he will always go down in history as that guy. That's uh, that's a pretty big honor to have. And then uh, do you remember this? There's about four minutes left in the divisional round. Biggest play third- of the season. Yeah, third down and 12 against the Steelers. Broncos are losing 13 to 12. You know, very, very close game, looking like we're probably going to go home early. And he ran a a quick slant route, one-on-one, had to beat his guy. And Peyton Manning put it right on the mark. He catches it and then not only gets the first down, but then runs for like 31 yards, putting the team in field goal range. And we ended up going down and scoring a touchdown, which was great. But – that was that was a huge play. I mean, that that was momentum had changed big time, and you know it was kind of looking like we weren't going to be able to get the game done. And yeah, he came up with a big catch. But last year, unfortunately, it was kind of the opposite. Had a season derailed by injury early on, and just never seemed to quite get back on track. Had that famous drop against the Titans, where probably wins the game, and we're in the playoffs. How crazy is that? And, you know, I, I just think back to last year, there's a few plays. We were a few plays difference from being in the playoffs to, to being home. But I guess it could have gone the other way, too. We were a few plays in other games from, from losing. And that's kind of how the NFL season goes. And we just didn't have the breaks quite go like the year before in 2015, where we caught a lot of good breaks to go our way. And But anyway, getting back to, to Benny Fowler here, I guess, what, what, what do you think of him as a wide receiver? Well, I'll be honest, last season I was not super impressed with him. He was on the field a fair amount, and like you mentioned, he just did not make the clutch plays. But DT saying he looks like a totally different player than last year, that could have something to do with his training regimen. It could just be being healthy. I know the year prior he worked out very extensively with Rod Smith, you know, getting ready, and then he got injured, and it just was not the same. So I'm trying to go in with a – an open mind and going to let the tape speak for itself. But if these, both these guys are saying he's the guy and he's far and away ahead, 
then I think he's probably the wide receiver three. And for now, you know, he does bring some special teams value as well, which is important. You know, he can be a gunner. He's not probably the same level gunner as Cody Latimer, but being a well-developed wide receiver is probably more valuable in that regard than just being the, the better gunner. So hopefully he will shine out this year in camp. Every, everything says that he's been doing well and Carlos Henderson has been struggling somewhat and Cody Latimer is not really impressed, at least from what I'm hearing. And so I'm, I'm excited and I'm hoping that he can stick on, you know, he's not your prototypical slot wide receiver. That's, you know, the West Welker diminutive type with super quick feet and, you know, almost like a scat back as a wide receiver. He's got better uh, size, more of a, a body control possession receiver. But that's that's fine. I mean, you can utilize him in that way. He's not, you know, an incredible athlete. He's not going to win balls way down the field like you see with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. But if he can run clean routes and, you know, create separation and use his frame to box out defenders and, you know, give himself a chance for the ball, I'm, I'm excited to see it. So he's going to have to play better than last year, though. Last year he cost us a few games. Granted, you know, it never should come down to just one play. It's a team effort to win and lose. But – He's going to have to show out, and but right now, I, th- I think he's going to make the roster, which is a big, dramatic change, in my opinion, from before camp, because I was ruling this guy out. I was, too, and I'm kind of with you, where I'm hearing a lot of good things. I'm hearing he's, he's making a, quite a few plays at camp, and just, just showing well, and uh, I... <laughs> this is something that I found interesting, is he actually trained a lot with Demarius Thomas this year. Mm. So they, they both said that over the last three weeks, especially they were both on a, a, the same vegan diet. And that was how Demarius Thomas was able to lose his weight. He also hooked up with a, a, I don't know, a trainer guru that's supposed to help you get into shape. And anyway, Benny Fowler ended up losing like 10 pounds or something like that by going on this vegan diet and, and the exercise program that they were both doing together. So yeah, if that's, if that's the case, if that's who he's been training with and Demarius Thomas is in some of the best shape that he's ever been in and Benny Fowler, if he can get into that kind of shape as well, you know, he, he's a guy, he, he can do some decent work over the middle. This last year did not show that of course, you know, like you said, he had quite a few drops that cost us some, some big time moments in some big games. But, you know, if he can get back to that a little bit of getting healthy and showing that leaping ability, you know, he was a long jump champion in high school. And also uh, their, their basketball team won a state championship in high school. So this guy has the ability to leap, go make the tough catches. And he's got some pretty good hands. Like I said, this last year was not a great indicator of who he is as a player. You know, that's I remember I think it was 2015 in the preseason. He just tore the place up. Now, given it was against like second and third string teams, but yeah, he just went crazy, especially with Simeon. He was catching those deep balls from Simeon, made a leaping catch against Seattle, if I remember right. And so, yeah, I, I'm excited to see what this guy brings, especially preseason and see if he can maybe be that, that number three for us. And, and you, you mentioned another guy. I wanted to get into this, you know, we're kind of speed through some of these last guys just because they all kind of bunch together. You know, they all kind of fall into that, you know, who's going to win this job. And and the next guy is, he was my favorite draft pick. You know this, Carlos Henderson. Love this kid, 5'11", 199 pounds. Love his game. You you showed me his tape first, and I was kind of, I can't remember which wide receiver I was more on board with. Oh, who was it? 
anyway, because he ran better routes. And then you kept sending me tape after tape of Carlos Henderson going, you need to watch this guy more. And <laughs> so then I watched it more, and then I think I became a bigger fan of him than you did. But I guess, what are your thoughts on Carlos Henderson? Well, so far he has been one of the disappointments in camp from what I have been told. You know, he's been struggling somewhat with the playbook and somewhat with his routes. This is what I've been told. You know, that's coming from an inside team source rather than, you know, the media that, you know, is just viewing the practices. Can't really put everything to context because they don't have the playbook. You know, they don't know what exact route the guy is supposed to run. Uh, the media has said, though, that he's struggled in terms of his his hands. He's had some drops. But the pads went on two practices ago, and after that, apparently he looked like a different player. So he might be just one of those pad practice guys. You know, people thought that he maybe would be a top 40, top 50 pick, and then he had a strong combine, but not elite in terms of his size, stature, and his straight line speed. Still really good in the three-cone drill and everything. You know, Obviously on tape, you can see him. He's a shifty guy. He's not Isaiah McKenzie shifty, but he's got you know three or four inches on him and about – 25 pounds so that's that's fine he's just a little bigger guy and he's built like a running back he plays like a running back and i'd say the mock draftable comparison of golden tate is fairly apt especially if he works on his down the field ability that's something that golden tate uh that separates golden tate from carlos henderson right now but very fun player and was super productive for the uh louisiana tech bulldogs he was the Conference USA Offensive and Special Teams Player of the Year. And just, I mean, his stats are ridiculous in the final year. 82 receptions, 1,535 yards, 25 kick returns for 805 yards and two receiving touchdowns, 19 receiving touchdowns. I mean, just just nuts. He was all over the field creating plays. And I won't lie, I made him in Madden, and I'm having a lot of fun with him in that regard too. (laughs) So just a dynamic playmaker and something that the Broncos offense, we talked about all offseason. Or the the front office talked about adding juice, and then one of the themes in camp so far has been adding explosive plays. That's something that Carlos Henderson, I think, can bring to the table. You know, is he going to do that right away, year one? Maybe not. You know, he's very raw as a route runner coming from Louisiana Tech. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot of that. You know, a lot of bubble screens, quick shotgun spread offense concepts. But he's got the skills, and I think the mentality to be a very productive receiver. And I. I'm pulling for him to challenge for that wide receiver's three spot by the end of the year because he does fit that compact slot. And he's also an awesome blocker. And I love having a slot receiver that, you know, can not be such a huge drop-off going from that 12 personnel to three wide receivers. You know, you have that second tight end who's obviously a better blocker than wide receiver would ever be. Slot wide receiver that can give a linebacker the business or a safety, that can make a huge difference for the run game. To me, you you hit it on the head with the – coming from a very, very simplified system. I think our, and this was one of the big issues that I had when I first started watching him and why, and I still can't remember which wide receiver it was that I liked more at the point when you was first it, started sending me videos. Was it Cooper Cup? It might have been him. It might have been Dave him. Jones, maybe? Yeah, I can't, can't quite remember. But anyway, was he just ran such simplified system. You know, you only saw about four routes most of the time. You know, you'd see a comeback route, you'd see a deep route, you'd see the screen pass, and I think you'd see a quick slant pattern. And that was that was about it for him, you know. And it just – I was worried a little bit, and, and it's, I think it is showing up here a little bit when he's being asked to do a lot more, when he's being asked to, hey, you're going to run about 10 different routes for this year, you know, or more than that even. I mean, if you look at a route tree for an NFL wide receiver, it is crazy. 
you know, there, there's about, I don't know, about 20, 25 different routes that they can ask them to run. And then you have option routes in the sense of you run this route depending on how the defense sets up. And that wasn't what any, that's not anything he did in college. And, and it's kind of like Paxton Lynch this last year where he had to learn what it takes to be a professional. You know, none of the things that he did in college really transferred over big time. It was more, are you a better athlete than the guy across from you? And for Carlos Henderson, for Paxton Lynch, both of them, they were just better athletes. You know, they, they just could outwin it. They could win a game just on athleticism alone. And that's just not the case in the NFL. You've got to actually run great routes. You've got to be technically sound. You've got to be smarter than the guy across from you. You know, that's why a Wes Welker, he's not a great athlete. You know, he had some quickness to his game, of course, but he wasn't a great athlete. He won because he was smarter than the guy across from him. That's, that's why he was so great for so many years. And so, yeah, I, I'm a little bit nervous about this guy. I'm nervous about him not being a huge contributor right off the bat, like most people are expecting. And of course, you know, a lot of people are going to go into panic mode of, oh, he's a big bust. You know, he's not getting on the field and he's this third round pick that everybody expected big things from. And, and you know, that's just not always the case yet. You know, sometimes it does take guys just a little bit longer. And I, I hope it's, I hope it's, you know, eight games in instead of, you know, kind of like with Latimer where we're sitting here year four going, is he even going to develop ever? Is he even going to make the team? <laughs> yeah. Is he going to make the team? <laughs> That's a good question. And so, yeah, I hope it's obviously before that we need him to, to be great. You know, that would be huge for this offense. Um, I, I think early on you could probably get a, a smaller playbook for him, you know, say, Hey, we're going to put you in on 10 offensive plays a game. And so memorize these five, six plays for this upcoming game. And you're going to run these, these routes kind of thing and, and let his athleticism still take over, you know, get him the ball in space, get him a ball on a screen pass and let him go make a play because that's, that's what he did in college, you know, or tell him, Hey, go deep, make these safeties respect you over the middle. You know, that, that would be huge. If he could hit a play early on in the season over the middle and offenses when they or defenses when they see him step on the field go, oh boy, you know, we gotta respect him deep, that would be huge for this team. So I, I don't know. We're we're just gonna have to see how much more he can develop and he's gonna have a huge opportunity in, in preseason to show that he can be trusted. You know, that's gonna be the big thing at first is can he be trusted to do what he needs to do, you know, to be in the place he needs to be. Yes, and to be honest, I don't think he's going to be a huge contributor on the offense year one, just based on what I am hearing out of camp. You know, it might, maybe it'll click halfway through the season, but I do think that he is going to be the team's kickoff returner. Not the punt returner, but the kickoff returner. Olivo was talking about him just the other day as being, uh, I'll read the quote, he's got juice, man, and he's a linear speed guy too, whereas Isaiah is more short, sort of a shifty guy a COD guy, which is change of direction, which Carlos is too, I think, when I see him. But uh, Carlos is your downhill, run behind your pads, run through smoke guy. As we say for kickoff returners, he's got courage. That's the type of kid we need as a kickoff returner. So very, very, very excited about Carlos as well. He runs angry with the ball in his hands. He can make guys slip, and we love that. So I think they're going to use both these rookies in different ways, try to see how they can get them the ball. But in terms of on the offense, if Fowler and Taylor are – um, you know, making noise. I don't see as many touches on offense as Hend- for Henderson, 
but I still think he's going to make an impact, especially in special teams, because not only do I think he can be a guy who's a returner, but with how physical he plays, I think he might even be a gunner. I don't, I, he's 5'11, but he's 200 pounds. And I think I'd love to see him tackle somebody. I think he could do it. I think he could kill someone. <laughs> I think he, yeah. yeah, I think he could be better than Latimer at that, that point. Yeah. He, he's got that speed. He's just got that. You showed me a play, and this was, I think, the first play you ever sent me on him was him run blocking and him just leveling a guy. I mean, the guy was parallel to the ground before he hit. It was like and, three guys that he blocked. Yeah, it was it was crazy. So that I think that's what you got you more excited was his run blocking than anything else. And yeah, he he has that great ability, and and that's why you want him on the field, like you said, is he offers more than just being a receiver, and. Yeah. You, you need that, especially in that slot position. But moving on to to another guy here, you kind of mentioned him, Isaiah McKenzie, five foot seven, one hundred seventy three pounds. He's kind of been beyond D'Angelo Henderson. It's kind of crazy. Our rookies have been all the talk of camp so far. You know, Garrett Bowles has been getting high praise. Isaiah McKenzie's been getting a lot of a lot of talk. D'Angelo Henderson. Um, I'm trying to think who else has been getting some some talk. Even De- Demarcus Walker. You know, we talked about him a little bit earlier. He's been getting some talk as well. And and it's great to hear all these rookies maybe could be contributors on this team. We haven't had that much in the, in the years past. But Isaiah McKenzie, 5'7", 173 pounds from the University of Georgia. And uh, he got some some high praise in the draft. Not as much as what we were willing to give him. Or, I mean, was more than we were willing to give him. Mel Kuyper compared him to Antonio Brown. I, I still can't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, he, he doesn't have the hands of Antonio Brown. Let, let's just get that out there right now. But, you know, for that shiftiness, that ability to, to get open real quick, yeah, Isaiah McKenzie can be that type of guy. But I think Tavon, he was, Tavon Austin. Yeah, there you go. That's that's a good – but his, his nickname is the Human Joystick, and he's earned it. You know, he's he's a very, very shifty guy. It's very impressive watching him, especially on on returns. You know, I think he had five punt returns and two kickoff returns for touchdowns in college, if I remember right. And yes, you're correct. My favorite stat of this guy, this is my very favorite stat of any player this last year. He scored a touchdown every seventh time he touched the football. You know, you think about he had 44 receptions, rushed 19 times, and then, of course, all the different punt returns and kickoff returns and stuff like that. Every seventh time he got the ball in his hand, he scored a touchdown. That's that's amazing, and that's something the Broncos need big time because they they had none of that last year, you know, special teams or offense, and and so that that could be huge for them moving forward. And this is a guy kind of like, the, you know, you think of Olivo getting him here from the Chiefs. You know, they had Tyree Kill this last year, and McKenzie, I he's not on that level. He, he's not. No, that's that's yeah, unfair that's, for the kid. Yeah, that, let's let's get that out there too. But I think he could be a step below that. I think he could be something special for us on special teams. You know, something that we haven't had. It's pretty much in the in the past couple of years. It's been please don't fumble it. You know, that, that's our that's our expectations for a returner. And most of the time, that wasn't met. Unfortunately, <laughs> you know, I I was talking on. Uh, it, it's kind of crazy. I got to talk to a, a a guy from Europe earlier, and we were talking about that. Of you know. I think it was a keep to leave shoving uh, Jordan Norwood as he's coming off the field after he fumbled another punt. Oh my goodness. That was, that was tough to watch. Giving me PTSD. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let's move forward here. <laughs> let's, let's move to the hope. 
that's what I'm going to call this guy, the hope. He, uh, yeah, he brings some, some huge juice, some huge spark to this team in many different ways. And a guy that, you know, beyond special teams, you just kind of maybe have a little bit in your playbook for the offense, you know, that maybe five, six plays you say, Hey, this is where we try to get this guy involved. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they'll use him in the backfield. I think they'll use him, you know, line him up in the backfield, run him out to slot, and he's going to be used as a punt returner more than a kick returner. And I'm excited in that regard. One thing that you mentioned that kind of struck a nerve, not struck a nerve, but kind of like ears perked up, you were talking about the the fumbling. And that's an issue that McKenzie had with Georgia. You know, he is a very small guy. He's not Trenton Holiday small, but he is small. And he had he did put the ball on the ground a few times at Georgia. So that's something that, I don't care how explosive you are or how, you know, much of a human joystick you are. If you're putting the ball on the turf, you're not going to see the field if I'm coaching. So he's, that's something I'm definitely going to be watching for. He's got a ball security comes first with a punt returner. And like, maybe you, like you said, maybe I'm just a little bit too shell shocked from recent, you know, please don't fumble the ball mentality. Cause we had that with Trenton holiday, you know, we even had that Wes Welker one, the, one of the worst games ever where he fumbled the ball in, in Foxborough. Uh-huh. So just like, I love the big plays. I love the explosion, but you, once the defense gets them, once the defense gets off the field, you got to make sure you hold on to that ball. Exactly. And that's, I, I did hear, I think maybe it was two days ago in training camp, he put the ball on the ground and they yeah. were, they were getting after him pretty big time for that one because yes, that is job number uno, numero uno for a, a returner. You and hold two, on to that ball. And three. Yeah. Yes, and four. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, that's why, why there's those times where we stuck Emmanuel Sanders back there just to make sure that it's caught. Fair you catch know? it. Like yeah. At that point. yeah, I don't care if there's nobody within 20 yards of you, just fair catch it, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And that's, that's what Emmanuel Sanders had to do sometimes for us. So, yeah, two explosive guys that were added to this team. I don't I'm, – I'm kind of with you with, with both of them, I think where they're going to be more special teams than they are offensive productive guys for us, at least early on, you know, and, and that's where, you know, maybe some of these other guys that we're, we're talking about here have to really be those people to step up, you know, while those rookies develop, while they learn the playbook, why they, while they learn, you know, just how to be even a NFL player, you know, that, that's a huge learning curve for a lot of these guys. And, and so that brings us to, probably one of the wide receivers talked about most of being that very on the bubble guy in Cody Latimer, you know, that, that receiver, the second round pick that everybody like myself included expected to be big time for this team. And, and he hasn't been it, obviously, you know, he's been a special team star, which is great. That's, that's at least something from him, but yeah, otherwise he just hasn't been much for us. And, uh, with these last few guys, I just want to ask this question. Does Cody Latimer make this team? As of now, I think no. I would have taken him over Benny Fowler before, but that's going into camp. I was thinking Henderson or McKenzie, wide receiver three, and it would come down to special teams between Fowler and Latimer. And Latimer has shown better on special teams, in my opinion. But if Fowler's showing at wide receiver three, that's that to me is outweighs the value that Cody Latimer offers as a wide receiver or as a special teamer. So I think that as of now, I don't think he makes the team. Well, that then uh, brings me to my next guy, Marlon Brown, 6'5", 214 pound wide receiver. And a guy, if you remember 
his rookie year, he was playing for the Ravens, and he had 49 receptions for 524 yards and seven touchdowns, which I would take that right now from the slot position. I mean, right now, that, that would be huge if we could have our slot wide receiver bring that to this team. But is he that player? You know, he's had a lot of injuries in the past. I think torn ACL, back problems, a lot of different things have kind of shown up ever since he showed a little bit of promise. So, again, I ask that question, can Marlon Brown make this roster? I believe that Marlon Brown is competing with Jordan Taylor. They need a size wide receiver to come in and be a boundary wide receiver type if Demarius Thomas gets hurt. I mean, if you if you cut Marlon Brown and Jordan Taylor, your second tallest wide receiver, you don't have a single wide receiver. I guess Fowler's six one but you don't really have very many size options. So you need to have a little bit more size and physicality. And I think that Marlon Brown or Jordan Taylor can bring that to the outside. Right now, I think that Jordan Taylor probably makes the team just because he's been healthier. I believe he's a little bit cheaper too. But if Marlon Brown flashes in camp and Taylor doesn't, it's just as easy going with Brown instead of Taylor, in my opinion. I don't have any ties to the the sunshine guy. I don't care about your hair, really. So <laughs> it matters how you play on the field. I know, you know yeah. if there are any female listeners listening you know i yes he's a good looking tall dude with a good smile jordan taylor that is but i could you could look like sloth from the goonies if you're playing football good then that's what i care about (laughs) right right and and marlon brown he has made some catches he's he's flashed for sure you know i don't know if did you see the video of him making that like 40 yard diving catch i saw the highlight of that yeah and i also went back and watched one of his best games ironically was week one 2000 his rookie year whatever year his rookie year was and it was against the broncos secondary and he had a pretty solid game so i went back and watched that one and he did pretty well he he's not the most agile guy in his routes you know he's more of a i'm tall and i can run fast in a straight line so throw it to me deep (laughs) which i mean there's a there's a spot for you in the nfl with that skill set but considering what the broncos have especially with jordan taylor kind of being the same guy not really a a quick uh, in and out of his breaks route kind of wide receiver. I just can't see both of them making the team. And right now, if I was betting, I would say that Taylor's more likely to make it than Brown. Yeah. When, yeah, that injury history was what kind of scares me with Brown. You know, last year he was starting to, from what I understand, he was actually flashing in practice when they signed him. And then he got hurt again. You're kind of going, you know, this is, this is the story of this guy's career, you know, yep. flashes of brilliance marred by injuries falling right afterwards. And, you know, for your backup, you just if they're coming in for a guy that's already injured, you don't want to have to worry that that guy's going to go down, too. And Jordan Taylor, you know, he's been with this team now. This will be his is his third year with the team. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because he had the 2015 year where he's with Peyton Manning working on the sideline. And of course, you know, Peyton Manning had his famous, you know, this is why a lot of Bronco fans love this guy is Peyton Manning spoke very, very highly of, of Jordan Taylor. And. You know, he helped him out, and Jordan Taylor has, has had those flashes. You know, I remember last year watching that one-handed grab, kind of looking like, you know, OBJ out there, you know, along the sidelines, making that one-handed catch as he's falling to the ground. And so he has those, but it's, again, that consistency. You know, you, you, you like a guy that can can run a bigger route tree. Like you said, he's not much for making the cuts, running over the middle. It's more of a, I run the comeback route, I run the deep nine route. That's about it, you know, and, and you need a little bit more, you know, there, there's still a, a calling for some of that, but especially when you're getting to these later wide receivers, you also need special teams. And 
that, that's that's my big question with Taylor and Brown. Which one brings more to the special teams as well? I don't know if either of them bring much of anything, but I don't know. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think one of them makes it, though. I think we keep six wide receivers. Yep, and there has been talk of Taylor playing more special teams role in terms of a gunner and running down kickoffs. And I haven't heard that about Marlon Brown, but that could be part partly a media perception, supply and demand. You know, people are a little bit more intrigued with Taylor than they are with Brown. Yeah. But I think it does come down to special teams ability, mostly, as well as upside. You know, Jordan Taylor, he's still, he's flashed a lot. He just is not con- consistent in and out of his breaks, not a great route runner. And, you know, he, he does make some, he does show good hands and he does show physicality with the ball in his hands. But, you know, it's as much what you do before the ball's in your hands than the moment it reaches your hands and what you do after it. So hopefully they will uh, shine out. And I'm, I'm sorry, we don't even have him written down, which is a kick to the groin for him. But Cleve Raymond, I just don't see him making the team. He's that diminutive kind of almost punt return, kick return exclusive type. And, you know, hoping that he lands on somewhere because I cheer for everybody who wears Bronco uniform at one point or another. But given Isaiah McKenzie and Carlos Henderson being investments in the draft as last year, I don't see us keeping a third type like that on the roster. Now, could he be a practice squad guy? Very possible, but I just don't see him on the active roster. Yeah, no, I agree. And so I guess all this in a roundabout way, to answer that question from one of our Twitter followers there, I think we're both in agreement that most likely Fowler is our guy for that number three slot wide receiver. You in agreement yeah. with that? Yeah, I think it'll probably be Fowler, at least to start off. And if he's as different as they're saying and playing well, I mean, it should be obvious on tape soon enough. You know, we got a game in less than a week now, so we'll get to see some of this in action. But as of now, I would guess it would be Fowler. The other question uh, pertaining to Sunshine from our own Colby Valdez, uh, does Sunshine Taylor have any inside value seeing Taylor playing Gunner? He said Gunna. I'm going to call you out for that. Gunna. <laughs> does that spell doom for Latimer? See, I think it does probably spell doom for Latimer. Fowler does play some Gunner, but if Taylor's playing some Gunner as well, I think Latimer's probably very much on the chopping block. I don't see Taylor ever being a guy who can play slot well. He's just really not crisp in and out of his breaks. It's probably a lot to do with how long Limdy is. You know, he just quickly. But I think that Right now, I would say Taylor's most likely to make the team along with Fowler, the two rookies, and then our two studs at the top. I agree completely. Oh, man, we agree way too much on this on this show. Uh, I'm just going to start being fitbits. <laughs> You're wrong. I know. <laughs> <laughs> just argue with yourself. You Bob know. Miller is going to be the number one wide receiver. Tim Tebow's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, right. yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, I think they are hoping, you know, Carlos Henderson maybe hopefully halfway through the season – can be that guy that steps in, you know, to, to slowly increase his workload on offense and and see if he can become that, that slot guy. And because he, he'd be perfect for it. You know, if he if his skill set matches up with his with a, a great football mind, he is going to be deadly. You know, that that's the great thing with him. But right now that just hasn't lined up. And like I've heard the same thing from from people that Henderson just isn't showing well. You know, he's shown a little bit better lately, but OTAs, mini camp, beginning of training camp, he was pretty bad. You know, he was dropping passes. He was fumbling, wasn't running the right routes, didn't really know his playbook when he was asked questions. You know, that, that's you can't have that on the field. That's how you lead to really big plays for the other team. I think that, you know, hopefully that once the pads went on, he's apparently looked like a different player. So 
fingers crossed he's one of those types you know you can have the i'd rather have that than the opposite you know it's a lot of guys can look good in shorts and in the underwear olympics but once the pad come pads go on it's a different game so hopefully he will transition and not the worst case scenario if he's not a big offensive producer year one honestly it's not that big of a deal because we do have depth at wide receiver and if he can you know fill in roles as a kick returner punt returner gunner type then that's going to offer value and he's going to see the field in that regard and hopefully get better week by week day by day in terms of route running and the playbook so i still have a lot of faith in him i mean his tape is phenomenal and i think he'll end up being a good player so Going back to tape, I think we should go on to my college dudes. Obviously, the wide receiver, there's a lot of wide receivers, so I'm not going to be able to touch on every guy, but I have some names here highlighted, some of the top ones, and as well as a couple guys who I think are somewhat under the radar, haven't really put up big stats yet, but I think could work their way into round one. First off, you got Christian Kirk from Texas A&M, who's a more compact guy, five foot 11, 200 pounds, and just really a good playmaker for the, the Aggies. He had 83 receptions last year for 928 yards and nine touchdowns. And he can play in slot. He can play outside. He makes a lot of plays down the field short. And some people call him baby Beckham in terms of Odell Beckham Jr. So I don't think he's that good of an athlete, but he's definitely explosive and a playmaker and more of that compact mold, but still athletic enough to play the outside. And right now I think he's my wide receiver one. The next, my next guy that I'm pretty intrigued by is a Cortland Sutton from uh, Southern Methodist University, 6'3", 205, and had a great productive year last year, 76 receptions for 121,246 yards and 10 touchdowns. He plays with great size and strength down the field, much more of a uh, vertical go-up-and-get-it kind of guy in the Allen Robinson mold, but not the best in and out of his breaks and as a route runner right now, so he's going to have to do better in that regard. But I wouldn't be surprised if he you know, stood out this year and potentially was a first-round pick. One player that I love on tape that's just an absolute head case off the field is Antonio Callaway from uh, Florida, 5'11", 197, and plays slot, a lot of slot for Florida, but I think he's athletic enough to play outside as well. But, man, he is just – he killed my Hawkeyes. I think he had two touchdowns in the bowl game that we played him against. Uh, two punt returns for a touchdown, 678 yards for four touchdowns, and that's despite some really horrible quarterback play at Florida. So if if he wasn't – in trouble off the field pretty consistently, whether it be pot or drugs or other issues. I think he could be wide receiver one, but he's got a lot of off the field issues. Uh, Calvin Ridley is another one from Alabama. I think he's a solid player. He's not Amari Cooper or Julio Jones. I don't think he's ever going to be a real number one wide receiver, but I think he'll go round one. I'm not as big on him as others. He does have a decent size, 6'1", 188, a little skinny and a decent playmaker, but I don't know. I don't think he's, and elite wide receiver prospect. Um, James Washington, another guy in the same mold, 6'1", 205. He's very solid, but I th- again, I think he's more of a wide receiver two type. He doesn't have anything physically that stands out that makes me go, wow. But I think, you know, solid wide receiver. Some guys that I think are potential to really shoot up this year based on more targets is uh, Paris Campbell from Ohio State. Only made a 13 receptions up for 121 yards last year, but everyone's buzzing about him at camp at Columbus and says that he has the potential to be a number one wide receiver in the NFL. So I'm expecting him to take a big step this year, depending on how the quarterback JT Barrett does, but Paris Campbell's a guy and Ohio state always has just a crud ton of talent across the roster. So wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, Another guy who is low key, potentially the number one wide receiver is, let me see if I can get this name right. Aquanius 
St. Brown. Equan, Equanimius. Equanimius, yeah, that looks right. We'll just call him Equan. <laughs> from, uh, from Notre Dame. Six, he's six foot four, six foot five, 205 pounds, and is apparently a very polished route runner with tremendous speed and athletic ability and pans. And a lot of people think he might end up a top 10 pick this year if he shows out. Had 58 receptions for 961 yards and nine touchdowns last year. And some say that he's really going to take the next step and be a guy that will be discussed heavily, maybe even be better than any of the wide receivers in this last year's class. Some people think so. He's somebody I'm excited about. And the other one I'm excited about is Auden Tate from Florida state. Another guy with not a huge amount of production so far, really just plays with great size and strength and ability to go up and get it, you know, plays above the rim, so to speak. So looks like a decent wide receiver class next year. I don't think they're probably, it's not going to rival the Julio Jones, AJ Green year or the, Landry Jones, Odell Beckham year, but still looks like a solid class. And depending on how our younger guys do this year, I wouldn't be surprised if Denver looked at wide receiver decently early. You know, you got to have weapons for the quarterback. And Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are north of 30. So it's probably probably going to need to look to use a early selection on a wide receiver again soon, depending on how Carlos Henderson turns out. Well, sounds good. Yeah, good list. And uh, I'm excited to, to watch some of these guys, especially Equan. Get a good look at him. If he's a, a polished route runner, that's you know for me that's that's a big deal. It shouldn't be because they can learn that in the NFL. But when I see it in college, it's always a, a big deal to me. I'm I'm a big wide receiver guy. That's what I played. And uh, yeah, I'll be definitely keeping an eye on on these guys and seeing what they can bring to the to the field. I'm I'm excited to get to scout some of these guys. But yeah. That's uh, that's that's a good list for everybody to be looking at and and see what they can figure out. And hey, if you have any things that you disagree with on the uh, the podcast, you know, think about our six wide receivers we picked. If you think Latimer should be on this team, let us know. You know, we'd love to talk to you about it and see why you see something different than we see. And that should wrap up another one of our huddle up podcasts here. And of course, make sure to stay tuned. We we have two more deep dives of positional groups. And of course, you know, we're right now we're getting ready. We're in the heart of training camp. You know, there's lots and lots of stories going on, lots of things kicking off. Preseason kicks off here in just a, a day or two. And of course, we have our own Terrell Davis being inducted into the Hall of Fame on Saturday. Don't miss that speech. I'm excited to hear what he has to say. And of course, then next Thursday is the first Broncos game. Oh my goodness. We, you and I cannot wait to see these guys on the field. You know, you get tired of, of reading all the tweets of what's happening at camp and hearing the, the hearsay and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, camp is kicked off and games are about to kick off, but Bronco fans, make sure to be checking in at mile high huddle for all of your updates on camp battles. And of course, all other Bronco news, you can find myself Carl Dumbler, MHH, and of course, Nick at Nick Kendall, MHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco articles, of course, again, on Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of scout.com. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher, Spreaker, CastBox, SoundCloud. You can also follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and, of course, at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be, be sure to subscribe and rate us. For Nick Kendall, I'm Carl Demler wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Mile High Huddle.